Hello, welcome back to Sextras. Where we talk about sex and all the extras. I'm Honey. And I'm Maria. And welcome to our really experimental first (laughs) virtual recording. (laughs) I mean, I love how we act like we've never done this before, but this is literally how the podcast started. It's been a while though, I don't remember how we did it. It's really strange. Welcome to this new uh, FaceTime setup that we've got for you guys. So you can really feel like you're on FaceTime with us. Oh my god, hey guys. (laughs) Hey besties. (laughs) But yeah, kind of sad not to see the studio background. Yeah, Um, instead you can just see this like crusty (laughs) ass wall. (laughs) But at least Oscar Wilde's there. (laughs) <laughs> exactly oski's watching us joining us for ten- place <laughs> he's like on the other side of the wall as well <laughs> staring <laughs> but yeah we just wanted to wrap up this mini series and kind of like talk about some takeaways that we had from the episodes with our guests and because we haven't done like an episode just us we kind of just wanted to have more of a like chatty episode about anything that we would kind of want to add about pleasure and desire or like anything that we kind of didn't touch on or wanted to expand on so yeah yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it yeah hopefully all the tech works out (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll we'll see about this edit guys (laughs) yeah we'll see how it goes but it's like just two patrons so (laughs) if you guys want better quality you guys can go join our patreon (laughs) Yeah, definitely join our Patreon to see how this all works out. It's just Sextras Podcast and it's a great way to support us as well. And we'll send you free stickers and like there's lots of bonus content and little things like that. And obviously you get to see our beautiful FaceTime faces. So Yeah, and you can go watch all the other videos from Mm. the season as well when we are actually in the studio. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you should go check it out and be part of our little community. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we just kind of wanted to like start by talking about our like biggest takeaways Mm -hmm. from our little pleasure and desire mini series. Because I feel like we've learned a lot. We've had such good guests this mm-hmm. mini series, and they're all like experts in their various areas. In case you guys haven't already listened, this is like gonna follow up on those episodes, so make sure you go check them out. Well, yeah, the first one was with Catherine Roach, who's like a sex and gender professor, mm. and we talked about like beauty standards and how that impacts who we're who we desire who we're attracted to yeah all of that kind of thing and then we had an episode with dr marashi who's a gynecologist and he created the first ever like anatomically aligned clitoral vibrator which Mm. is so cool and we talked to him about like anatomy and female pleasure and like the orgasm gap and all that kind of stuff and then the last one was with Keely Rankin, who's a sex coach. Mm-hmm. And she taught us about like how to communicate to your partner, what you find pleasurable, what you don't find pleasurable. And yeah, again, just very 
useful information so definitely go check those out if you haven't already mm-hmm. so yeah maria what were your like biggest takeaways from the mini series okay well from like the communicating to your partner i think what stood out to me the most and like something that i've been thinking about since we recorded is this whole idea of like when you're bringing something up to your partner like be like if it's like a sexual fantasy or like you know whatever it may be something to do like with sex offer up your information first and like make yourself like vulnerable first because I feel like a lot of the like conversations that I've had with like my boyfriend for instance about sex and like I don't know communicating in that sense it's like I'll ask and like I'll want the information but like I won't necessarily like want to offer my own up like I find it like kind of embarrassing so (laughs) I've been like thinking about that a lot and like how valid that actually is and like how it is quite unfair to obviously like ask someone to be vulnerable and like not be willing to do it yourself so that like really stuck with me and then I guess with Dr. Murashi it was just like I knew what the clitoris looked like like the structure of it because I guess like we do this podcast and I mean I feel like I'm quite clitorate but (laughs) I didn't like I knew that it was like huge and whatever but I didn't realize that it was like right on the like behind the skin of like the the flaps you know the cheeks Mm. um so I guess like that knowledge is like has been quite useful like since we recorded like when I'm having sex I like think about that but I guess something that I thought about like uh, with his episode is like the value of sort of like knowing your anatomy and how that's going to help you but then I guess like pairing that together with like the communication because I feel like that's what's like what I'm struggling the most with is like I know what's what you know and like I know all of that shit but I think I find it like intimidating to sort of like talk about it and as he was saying, like, all you can really do is, like, spread this information and, like, mm. get mo- the most people possible to, like, know what's going on. But I don't know, specifically with, like, my boyfriend, like, I don't want, like, I just find it awkward to talk about it because I don't want it to come across, like, oh, like, you don't know what you're doing and I do kind of vibe. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's what I can think of. And then... Yeah, I don't know. I guess with Catherine, like, what I've been thinking about since we recorded is, like, where is your pleasure coming from? And whether that pleasure is from, like, other people finding you desirable. Mm. And, like, how valid that is and how, like, yeah, how, yeah, I guess, like, how okay that is and whether, like, that's something that I should, like, sort of reconsider and it be more about, like, my actual pleasure rather than, like, being desired. Do you get, right. does that make any sense? Yeah. So yeah, those are, those are the kind of things I've been thinking about. Do you have any standout things that you're, you've been thinking about, Han? I think like the thing that shocked me the most was we learned from Dr. Marashi what like the most pleasurable position yeah. to do during <laughs> sex is for like clitoral stimulation that really shocked me yeah, I'm not going to say what it was because you guys should go <laughs> listen to the episode <laughs> and find out but 
Yeah, because I've talked about it to people since. Yeah, same. And been like, guess what it is. Like, I bet you can't guess. And they haven't guessed. And they've mm. been like, no, that's not true. But I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with the whole, like, communication and, like, socialization of pleasure. And, like, we think that like we've kind of come full circle in how we look at sex as a society in terms of like we think we have to be super kinky and like be trying all these crazy positions and whatever in order to feel pleasurable like in order to feel pleasure and in in order to feel desirable because we're living up to like some standard of what we've seen in porn or like what we've just been socialized to think of as good sex but actually that's not the case like actually mm. we just need to listen to ourselves and listen to our bodies and like having an understanding of our anatomy can really help with that yeah and then also like i don't know i just think it's so weird that we think that we have to be doing all these weird like crazy positions and actually we could just be doing the position that gives us the most <laughs> pleasure and yeah, I just thought that that's kind of interesting. And then in terms of like socialization of sex, I have kind of just been thinking about again how big of a role like feeling desirable plays in my life. I don't think it really does anymore because I yeah, clearly have not had sex in a long time, but mm. Like, I do think that even now, like, a year after, like, a year since having last had sex and, like, since changing my hinge to only women, I have kind of realised that, like, I crave that kind of, like, dopamine rush that I get from using dating apps and, like, getting validation from men or whatever because Mm. I'll go on hinge and, like, see that I have, it's usually, like, two to five likes from women and I'd be like, oh my God, like what is wrong with me? Like I'm so unattractive, I'm so undesirable. And it's like, actually, no, like this is a good thing mm. because I don't want to just like be desirable to like everyone. I want to just be like appreciated for who I am. And that's fine if that's mm. not everyone or whatever. And like, I got asked out by this guy the other day on my way home and I was like, I go crazy like that hasn't happened to me in ages and I feel like that used to happen to me quite often like not a lot but like more than it has recently and I was like oh my god like I was like I'm not attracted to this guy I literally don't care about him at all I don't want to see him ever again so why do these things matter and it's just kind of like deprogramming that socialization that we've been brought up with to like get your validation from being desirable to men so yeah I thought that was kind of interesting and then also just like in the conversations that I've been having with people about their attraction to other people like where that comes from it just has made me kind of think about that a little bit more and like Mm -hmm. why do you find that person attractive obviously I'm not gonna like sit there and question them although like sometimes (laughs) they do want to be psychoanalyzed (laughs) but (laughs) like yeah I feel like a lot of my friends will they all have like a very specific type and that's really interesting to kind of like understand a bit more where that comes from and like Mm -hmm. it can be kind of a joke or whatever like oh I'm just attracted to the same kind of person but then I do think we should kind of examine a little bit more why 
we're attracted to those people and Mm -hmm. is that even serving us in any way like is me being like oh I have to date men serving me in any way like not really Mm. is does that make sense I feel like that was such a yeah yeah. no 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 I get what you're saying so like in what ways do you think that sort of like beauty standards or like this idea of like a type how does that like how has that played into like your life if you were to psychoanalyze yourself I don't know I don't really think that I have a type I think I think (laughs) no okay what's my type (laughs) honey's type is just free (laughs) I'm joking I'm joking (laughs) oh yeah I mean no but I do feel like you have a a little bit of a thing for like people that are a little bit like not broken that like that sounds really hard but like like I feel like you have a little bit of like that fix like I want to fix you kind of yeah like an emotional type but that's not really like an appearance type yeah Yeah, and I I guess guess that is a socialization thing I think appearance wise like you don't really go for like the beauty standard like I to me like it's kind of quite removed like the way Mm -hmm. the way that I've like seen you experience like attraction or like liking people or fancying people or whatever it's like yeah I don't know to me it's like quite removed from like beauty standards just like oh like like the person like attracts Mm. you do you get what I'm saying rather than like necessarily how they look because I guess I can't really like put something that like ties all the people that you've like seen or whatever together but I guess it is like it's not I wouldn't say it's like the like the specific like objective like beauty standard I wouldn't yeah, say that I think it, I'm it matches so, I'm so rarely like immediately attracted to someone because of their looks like mm. that never oh my god am I pansexual <laughs> <laughs> it's just you just look at the person as a whole <laughs> <laughs> or like what's that omni omnisexual am I an omnisexual pansexual <laughs> um yeah no I feel like and I actually want to talk about this, so maybe we can kind of segue into this. But do you think, as a bisexual woman, obviously you have a boyfriend, but like, do you think you're more often immediately attracted to women or immediately attracted to men? I think probably men, to be honest. Like, even though I feel like I see more girls on the street and I'm like, oh, she's hot. And I feel like the more time I've been with my boyfriend, like, the less. I find women attractive in that way. Like I'll like I'll see girls and be like, oh my god, she's gorgeous. Or like I love what she's wearing. But it's more from like a like a girl, like a platonic, like kind of like a like admiring. Yeah, exactly. Like admiring the girl rather than or maybe not even admiring, maybe like from a jealousy standpoint of like, oh my god, she's so pretty. Like I wish I looked like mm. that kind of vibe. Rather than like like I ha- I can't remember the last time that I was like that I saw a girl and I'm like, oh my God, like, I want to kiss her. Yeah, but do you think that's because you're in a relationship or do you think that's because... No, I think it's you just haven't it's definitely, that? like, a relationship thing, but I do feel like there's more men that I, like, look at and I'm like, oh, like, I mm. think he's attractive. Because there's, no, there's none so of that, like, jealousy and confusion, you know? Like, with a girl, yeah. I can, like, see her and be like, oh, she's, like, so fit but I don't yeah. necessarily, like, want to fuck her. Which, like, same with guys. Like, I feel like I, I don't really, like... Like, the more that I've been... In, like, the longer I've been in a relationship as well, it's, like, I very rarely, like, see or meet people and I'm like, 
oh, like, I'm really attracted to them. Even though, obviously, mm. like, when you're in a relationship, you can still very much find other people attractive. Like, I'm not saying you just, like, go blind. But, yeah, yeah I don't know. I do think in, like, more men than women. And I do think it's, like, it is that thing of, like, it's just the more, like, obvious, like, attraction and, like, the more, mm. like, yeah, like, normalized kind of thing. Because, yeah, with girls, it is, like, do I want to be them or do I want to kiss them? What about yeah. you? I am way more attracted to girls, like, mm. instantly. Like, yeah. not instantly, but, like, more often I'll see a girl and be like, oh, my God, she's so pretty. Or, like... Mm. I'm attracted to her or whatever than with guys but I do think that I still have this like I still think I have the belief that like it's easier to be attracted to a guy and be desired by a guy yeah that's what I was thinking I think like if a girl I know like if I know she's gay or bi or whatever and I find her fit then like I will find myself like being attracted to them. But if mm. it's like a straight girl, then it's like, I wouldn't describe it as attraction. It's just like, oh, sh- she's just a fit girl. But it's not like, I don't know, because there's not that like element of like, oh, they can find me like fit back. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you, you know how I talk? Like, in terms of friendships, like, I need to feel like the person really likes me. Like, I feel like same yeah. with like attraction. It's like, the more I can tell someone's like attracted to me, the more space there is for me to find them attractive. So you just like <laughs> automatically assume that men are going to be attracted to you is what you're saying. <laughs> that is compulsory <laughs> heterosexuality for you. No, but yeah, I guess like genuinely that it really is my experience of the world. Mm. It's so so bad like everyone I talk to that's bi recently Mm. has been like I'm attracted to women more than I'm attracted to men like in my day-to-day life but it's just so much easier for me to be attracted to men yeah and it's just like I think in like the queer community this is like a pretty generally understood phenomenon but like in the bisexual community I don't think it's as understood because so many bi people do just like choose to date men because they feel safer expressing their sexuality that way and like usually like if you are that kind of person you will have dated more men in the past so you kind of like think you have an established like routine with them like I'm not obviously not saying this is the case for every bisexual because I know like a lot a lot of bisexuals that aren't like this but it's just so bad that we're programmers (sighs) and then think how many people there are that like don't even realize that they're bi and just think that Mm. that's like a normal thing like Mm. they think they're straight but it's like "Mm, babes no i have a big shock for you (laughs) yeah no true and like i feel like there's it's so much more normalized like for girls to be like oh like i would shag a girl but like i'm straight you know which like yeah no problem i don't have any problem with that like whatever label yourself like whatever the fuck you want to label yourself but then Mm. i feel like there needs to be more of a normalization of like oh no that that literally just means you're bi like and there's nothing wrong with that like do you know what I mean but I do feel like yeah there's this like heaviness to the label yeah and I guess like both ways like yeah I I think like it's also unhelpful for like bisexuals or like bisexual women or like women that would be in a relationship with a woman would they wouldn't just like shag them for like 
I guess it would be unhelpful if like all these girls that wouldn't actually want to be in a relationship with a girl start it's being like oh I'm bi and then there's just like all this confusion I don't know I, I think it's kind of like a bit weird but mm. sorry but like back to your point it is like so strange how it's like so many women and bi women specifically are like yeah I, I am more attracted to women but there is this like script almost and like ease to interact with men in that kind of yeah. way that is but so that's normalized. Just not even like we just have really gaslighted ourselves into thinking there is like all of these rules around dating. None of mm. them actually work for anyone. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, women aren't coming as much. Like none of it's going our way. Mm. But yeah, maybe we can talk a little bit about do you think your kind of view of pleasure has changed throughout your like sexual history because obviously like you started sleeping with a girl and like Mm -hmm. now you've been in a relationship with a guy for like nearly four years so how has your like understanding of pleasure and how much you value coming changed over the years that's interesting i guess like um okay i mean i'm gonna start with a with a confession that i have faked a lot of orgasms in my life and i know it's bad okay i don't need anyone telling me that it's not good and it's not okay and it is so bad because then i was thinking about this i was like oh my god if someone like faked it with me that would actually traumatize me like (laughs) i would hate that so much um but yeah so I don't know I feel like there's sort of like this narrative a lot of the time of like oh I didn't come but like that it still was like really good and like really Mm -hmm. nice and I believe that like I'm not saying that like oh you have to come for sex to be good but I've also been someone that's like other than the times that I faked it I do kind of like expect to come every time like I'm not like I don't know in my head it's like that just makes no sense like why am I gonna like do this and then I don't even get to come like then I'm just gonna still be horny Mm. so I don't know like I I guess like okay in my first relationship with a girl there was this like expectation that was like always met of like oh my pleasure is like being met and this person like cares about like my pleasure as much as I care about their pleasure so yeah. I feel like it's like been a, quite a present thing. And then when I was like single and I was kind of just like having casual sex, I feel like a lot of what was driving that was very much like, I want to feel like desirable and like, I'm great at sex and like they're having the best time, but I didn't really like give a fuck about like however it felt to me. Mm. And it was almost more like, oh, like, if they really want it, it's like, to me, that's, like, really good. Because then it's, like, like more pleasurable for me in that sense. Because it's, like, I don't know, I feel like, especially, like, when I was single, like, a lot of, like, the sex I was having was, like, to feel desired. And Mm. this idea of, like, that, like, my pleasure came from, like, the other person having pleasure. And it was all just, like, to feed that rather than, like to actually have like a good sexual experience or like you know to actually like meet my needs or whatever and then now I don't fake orgasms anymore I'm reformed (laughs) Um, 
but I guess the way that I think about it is like I go into every like sexual experience like expecting to come and like knowing that that's gonna happen Mm. so yeah I don't know does that answer what you were sort of getting at like what what are your thoughts how has your pleasure ideas changed wait but just quickly before we move on to me do you think you get more pleasure from like the act like the actual fact of like the orgasm itself and like the build up to that or from giving your boyfriend pleasure or is it kind of like a 50 50 split i'd say like getting pleasure i'm definitely like way more of a receiver than a giver like 100 percent. i mean like i love like you know how people ask like oh what's your favorite part of sex like i love the like making the other person come part like that's lit and like i get a lot of validation from that but that's like more validation you know rather Mm. than like actual pleasure yeah and like my boyfriend's very much like a giver rather than a, a receiver like so it's and like does the validation come <laughs> from feeling like you're good at sex yeah when you're giving exactly it's like oh like I'm so sick like I did that you know yeah <laughs> yeah because okay so now now moving on to me <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's but, enough from you Maria yeah I've had enough <laughs> I think that I'm like so scared of having sex with a girl because I don't think that I'm gonna be good at it <laughs> and but uh, for some reason I think that I'm good at sex with men but like I have no basis for that whatsoever like other than the fact that I've had more sex with men I have no like there's mm. no like competition like I don't know why <laughs> it's some kind of battle in my mind of like oh I'm gonna have sex with a girl and it's gonna be so bad because also the chances are if I have bad sex with a girl she's gonna be way nicer about it and it's gonna be way easier to communicate with her about it than if I have bad sex with a guy Mm. like I will end up inevitably feeling way shittier about myself if I have bad sex with a guy than if I have bad sex with a girl Mm. yeah and also the chances of me having bad sex with a girl are like way lower than me having bad sex with a guy because I just have this like inherent understanding of Mm. the female anatomy and like what they enjoy yeah because I mean I do kind of get that because I do feel like there's this like big idea of like oh like guys like can come from anything and like you know what I mean like it's like there's not really any effort required like you can't be bad like they're sticking yeah, exactly. it in so and then like why do we get so much validation <laughs> from it like it makes no sense like you can touch their elbow and they would come but we're out here like oh I made a guy come that's but I also actually fucking hate that narrative though because then like when a guy like ain't coming or like if he can't get hard then I'm like oh my god I'm repulsive like Exactly. Well, that's just and not so true. Shit. Like, that's not the case at all. It's so shit for everyone involved. It's shit for them because it's yeah. like, obviously not their fault. Mm. And it's shit for us because we get all our validation from that. And that's why I hate in like TV shows and movies and shit when there's like that whole narrative of like, oh, but they couldn't like get it up for me. They couldn't stay hard or whatever. Because then girls in real life really start acting as if like that's the be all and end all of sex Mm. and that is so so toxic like i Mm. think that's probably the number one way that girls can be toxic in Mm. sex yeah but i do think that there is like a big thing to say for like like the pleasure from sex for men and women 
I feel like does come from being desired and like you're having the yeah. best time when you feel like the other person's having a good time and like the other person is like really attracted to you and really wants you and I don't really think that there's like necessarily anything wrong with that because I feel like everyone feels that way but I do feel mm. like I don't know it does start becoming like a little bit wrong when you're like prioritizing the other person's pleasure like way above your own and like you're not even like I don't know like how Keely said a little bit like you ask someone like what they like and like most people just don't know like they wouldn't even be able to tell you and that's like because they don't have the language but also a lot of people just don't know like you've just like gone through sex kind of just like doing it for the sake of it or like doing it for the other person just like doing it what doing what the other person wants and you haven't really like given yourself that space and time to sort of think okay like what do I actually like what's working for me in this scenario yeah and this is why this whole this whole idea of like good sex is in itself kind of toxic because You can find something good one day and then like the next day not find it good. And I think it really prevents like this open dialogue Mm. and like experimentation that I think should be just inherent to our sex lives. Yeah. And kind of puts things on a pedestal of like, okay, well, this is like the perfect way to have sex. And then we get into these routines and then we get these ideas into our heads of like how things should look. And obviously there is a way to have good sex and like to give another person pleasure but I think the main way is like through communication Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know I just think it's like really complicated when we start to kind of label things as ethical or this gives you the most amount of pleasure or whatever because yeah then you can like inevitably get let down quite a lot yeah I 100% agree with this like I think the way forward is like there needs to be an open dialogue about sex like constantly because it is true like yeah you might like actually really know yourself and be like oh like I know I like this but like is that even realistic because it's like it's not like every time I have sex like I I want to have the same thing and and it's like it's like it's not like every time I wank I even do the same thing do you know what like as in like physically like the same movements and shit yeah very much in the moment like like and that's why like wanking works because it's like you can feel it you can change it like you know you you know what I mean like you can move about to something that works so I think like it's way better to practice this like active communication of like being able to be like oh no like there or like that feels good or like move a little bit to the left like that kind of thing so you can like actually like talk about it in the moment and like make it happen in the moment rather than being like Mm. oh I'm really into like super fast like fricked frictive motion or whatever fuck like I don't know I can't come up with like a good example but like I'm really like into like people tapping my clit or whatever Mm. and then like someone's doing that and it's like okay but like right now it's not the moment like you know what I mean like yeah so it's like I think if we are better at like actually communicating those like things all the time rather than like sitting down and having these big like I don't like this and I don't like that and I do like this and I don't like that kind of conversations like I feel like it's a lot more helpful yeah to not do that rather than yeah and it creates a lot more like flexibility in terms of like as we were saying throughout our lives our libido changes and like what we're obviously going to learn new things that we like or don't like or whatever and I think having this like set okay this is what I like and what I don't like chat as you're saying creates this like hierarchy of like sexual acts of like okay so 
vaginal penile like penetrative sex is better than like anal sex and it's like well maybe you love anal sex and you just don't know you haven't even like thought to try it because you've just got this weird I don't know what the word is like aversion to it Mm. because you've kind of like both been socialized that way and also socialized yourself Mm. so yeah definitely take the advice of like creating this constant kind of safe space to have that dialogue and yeah experiment because that's what's fun about sex like Mm. it's like food you don't want to eat the same food every day or like maybe you do like a little snack the same snack every day you don't (laughs) want like the whole same meal every day because that would just be boring yeah do you feel like you know like what you like and don't like even though I know we just talked about like it's not always necessarily helpful but as in like do you feel like you know what you find pleasurable and like yeah Mm, yeah to a certain extent but I don't think I'm very good at communicating it yeah I think uh, my expectation is the other person isn't going to be able to do it and I think that's such a like Mm symptom of my overall control freaky (laughs) nature but the last few times that I've had sex that I can think of like if they don't make me come I won't be like oh well is this gonna happen I'll just kind of do it myself and I just think that's so boring (laughs) (laughs) because like other people can do things that are so unexpected and again that adds, adds another layer of pleasure Mm. so yeah but I don't know I do in a way but because I'm I'm on field in case I haven't said this and some some guy I was talking to like asked me if I have like experience with BDSM and I was like oh like a little bit but like not at all and he was like oh yeah it seems like like you look like you don't have much experience (laughs) I was like okay what the fuck does that mean (laughs) But, like, because I always say that I'm just, like, open to try things. And it's true. Because I'm, like, I just want to see what the Mm -hmm. dynamic is. Because, like, I've liked things with certain people in the past. And then I've tried the same thing with other people. And I'm, like, oh, I'm, like, not really sure about this. Mm. So I think it takes, like, me having sex with someone a few times to figure out what works for us. Mm-hmm. and I don't think it's something that I like carry within myself from person to person like I think it is just very situational and like the same with my attraction to people like I just there's never really something that I can like pinpoint okay right like, I like them because of this that's why I think I'm so bad at telling what my red flags are I just don't know I don't know <laughs> maybe it's just like a funny little personality quirk <laughs> maybe this would be a fun road to go down <laughs> <laughs> no but I really like I like what you said about how like it, it definitely is like it varies from person to person and it is very mm. true like you can't like as much as it's important to like be aware of like yourself and the things you like and the things you don't like it is also very much like, well, this person's a completely different person to like the other one. So it it might be just completely different. Yeah. So I do think it is important to like go into those situations like that with that sort of mindset. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of like elusive things about sex and desire that we just don't understand and we probably never will. And that's probably a good thing. Mm. 
other than the basics of like consent <laughs> yeah oh yeah okay well actually honorable mentions to like a few things that i think would be helpful for people first thing is like the erotic blueprints i was telling maria about this when we were planning this pleasure and desire mini series and she was like honey i do not know about this like this <laughs> sounds like some kind of crazy like <laughs> spiritual thing that you've made up and then i think keely brought it up when we were recording with her and i was like yes <laughs> this is facts i'll try find the link and put it in the description you can find out what your erotic blueprint is and i think that can be kind of helpful in a way because it doesn't put you too much in a box but it does tell you like what ways you mm -hmm. can be turned on just like are you more attracted to like touch or are you more into like sensual mysterious like setting vibes does that turn you on you know mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting even if you don't stick to it necessarily and then another thing is we really wanted to have this author of this book that I read on to talk about like fetishization and like race and desire and incels and like telling people whether they can be attracted to something or not. Her name's Amia Srinivasan. I think that's how you say it. Sorry if it's not. She wrote this book called The Right to Sex and you should go read it if you haven't because it genuinely was very, very informative in terms mm. of just like the socialization of our desires in general and also how to talk to people about desire how to talk to people about fetishization and yeah i just think everyone should read it so yeah those are the things that i would recommend and okay. also just go experiment go have fun i need to take my own advice but <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty much that's it anything you want to shout out no i guess i did kind of just want to quickly just talk about sort of like communicate the whole communicating aspect mm, of things yeah. yeah i don't know i find it really really difficult and i've i find it really easy to talk about sex when it's like a non-sexual situation like I find that really easy and like I can overshare about my sex life like all day every day but I think when it sort of like comes to what I actually want what sort of like holds me back a lot of the time is like I just want to do what the other person wants to do you know mm. and I feel like a big yeah it's just like prioritize yourself like you're the most important person in your life and like you deserve pleasure just mm. as much as the person that you're with does and literally like the biggest way to sort of like make a sexual interaction pleasurable is like for both the people to having a to have a good time so it's only gonna like make things better basically mm. but yeah i just really like wanted to validate that it can be like super hard to have these conversations and like even just like in the moment like direct people that are like no not that or like not no not that yeah that's it's like not gonna help anyone to not and like to fake it and things like that mm. so yeah and also i just think there's something else that i learned from keely is just the way that we talk about pleasure in society as a whole or like i mean i kind of was aware of this but it just kind of mm. reminded me and made me think about my own kind of relationship with pleasure just in my day-to-day -day life like even when we talk about like guilty pleasures when it comes to tv shows or films or little habits or like a little treat and i feel like i have this like mindset of 
and I'm so obsessed with this this like sweet treat trend like everyone's like I need to buy myself a little treat every day and like being at uni again and surrounded by my friends we're like oh my god need to get a little sweet treat like it's time for a sweet treat every day and that's like the one way that I'm like okay this is like making me happy this is helping me get through my day but I think that I like withhold pleasure from myself in so many ways mm-hmm. and I think that's like a holistic thing about my life that I want to change and I think that will kind of like reform my relationship with sex I'd like why am I withholding that pleasure from myself like I literally have to talk through the process in my head of like okay doing this is a good investment in your mental health in your like mm-hmm. future self it will make you feel good and it will like change how you carry yourself and how you interact with the world so let's do that and like same with sex same with food same with so many things and yeah I just think we need to like reframe pleasure as like a good thing I think we we just talk about pleasure as a bad thing way too much in society and it's like just let yourself live mm-hmm. just let yourself yeah. be happy yeah Read pleasure activism <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm pretty good at letting myself be happy you know <laughs> like you do yes, what you girl. want girl love that for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe I should hold back sometimes (laughs) sometimes it's too much you have shit to do come on (laughs) (laughs) she's sinning (laughs) Uh, yeah. yeah if you guys have any like thoughts about pleasure desire like literally can be anything I feel like it's quite a broad topic like a lot of things can go into it but yeah any other thoughts please do let us know mm-hmm. um and a great place to do that is our patreon we can have like proper discussions about everything so please make sure you check it out and you join if you want to support us a little bit more it's only like 350 a month and yeah. it's just sex just podcast as we mentioned yeah but yeah and then you can find us anywhere at sex just podcast youtube facebook TikTok, Instagram, and then of course everything is on our website, which is sexuspodcast.com. Yeah. And make sure you go have as much sex as you can. Give <laughs> yeah. yourself pleasure in some way, at least once a day. <laughs> and you'll be good. But yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I really thought we weren't gonna have anything to talk about, but turns out we did. So (laughs) there we go. (laughs) And yeah, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and we will see you for our next mini series. Yeah, bye. You've been listening to Sextras, presented by Honey Jane Wyatt and Maria Jose Hayodatiyi. Produced by Mabel Productions. Thanks.